Somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor Rob, they said, you have a great marriage, great kids. You're up there preaching, you got spiritual life going on. And yet your physical is so bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm like addicted to Little Debbie snack cakes. You know, I mean, I'm addicted. I got to admit, I was embarrassed, like 38% body fat and 250 cholesterol. I just thought, wait a minute, I've got to change before I have to. And I have been there. Let me tell you something. I've been at the hospital where the guy has the heart attack and his whole life gets turned upside down. Worse than that, I have been there talking to the widow, devastated because her husband wouldn't change. What do you need to change? This is not like a weight loss clinic, okay? This is what do you need to change spiritually, relationally? Who do you need to forgive? What has God been just hammering on you and hammering on you and saying, it's time to change, it's time to change. We can either change because we have to, or we can change before we have to. Well, it was only three short years ago that I made the big change in my life and lost the weight. And even when I realized that I'm watching that cartoon character there with the big gut, I'm like, did my gut look that bad? Uh, yeah, don't look for pictures, okay? Don't go looking for pictures to my family and friends. Don't try to find them to prove them. I brought my own pictures, all right? Because I was, I was just out of shape, losing control. And so I want to show you my old driver's license photo. Go ahead and throw that up there. That is my old driver's license photo. Now let's see the new driver's license photo. Look at the difference there. Who was that first guy? Put them side by side for me. Look at that. I'm like, okay, thank the Lord you get a renewal. How many are glad you get a renewal and a new shot at it, you know? But I had to change. I had to change my life. And it's true. I had 38% body fat. Um, now I'm wearing a medium shirt. And I was wearing an XL shirt. And I kept it untucked, not because it's cool, but I kept it untucked because I had to hide my gut. You know, all that weight was right there and right in my face. My cholesterol was 250. I mean, they said I was like a heart attack waiting to happen. And, you know, I lost all that weight and I couldn't quite get it down to where they wanted me to. And so I, I've taken a, a, just a light dosage to get it down to 180. But I'm making the changes. I'm committed to it. And you say, well, what made you have the wake-up call? What made you have to just all of a sudden say, I'm going to change the way that I live. I'm going to change the way this is my issue. And uh, here's how it was. We were out to dinner with some friends, Becca and I, really good friends of ours. And, you know, you're just having one of those conversations like, oh, where do you want to go on vacation? What do you want to do about this, about that? And all of a sudden, it got a little more serious. And we said, you know, uh, hey, what would happen to you if something happened to your wife? And I was teasing my buddy. I was saying, like, you are so high maintenance. You don't know how to do anything. You'd be lost if something happened to her. And he said, well, you'd be lost if something happened to Becca. And I said, oh, absolutely, I'd, I'd be so lost if something happened to Becca, and I'd have to lose weight. And in that moment, you know, I just kind of realized, did I just say that? Because all of a sudden, I could see Becca thinking like, what? In the event of my tragic death, you would have to lose weight? And so my friend, not missing a beat, just goes for it. And I think he totally just like blew the bro code. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be a rule against this. He goes, what he's saying is he can't attract a woman that looks like you if he looks like that. <laughs> We're still friends. Uh, oh, man. 
And Becky's like, wait, 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 wait. So if I was to die, you would lose weight for a new wife, a woman who does not exist. But the wife that you currently have that loves you and made a vow to you, you're content being fat. I was like, yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? And she's like, it's terrible. It's terrible. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could either just like roll with it, like, oh, there's more of me to love, baby. You know what I mean? I got, yeah. Or I could just say, you know, I need to change. And I'm not kidding you. Like, it was a Holy Spirit conviction moment over this because I had other things in order in my life, but this area was out of control. And all of a sudden, I just said, I, I will change. I will change. Now, she's like, oh, yeah, right. You know, sure you will. And, and, but how many know, like, the talk is cheap right there? But in my heart, I knew it. I knew I was facing a conviction moment. Like, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to go and do this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference here. And so I went into the doctor, and I said, that week, I said, treat me like I had a heart attack. And he goes, did you? I said, no, I didn't have one yet. He goes, then why are you here? I said, because I'm going to change before I have to. And he's like, no, no, no. Nobody does that. They always wait until they have to, and they always wait until they have the heart attack, and then I have to still try and convince them to change. And I said, well, not me. I am going to change before I have to. Matter of fact, I'm going to look into the Word of God and try to figure out what it is that gives us the strength to change before we have to instead of because we have to, and I'm going to turn it into a sermon series. And then from there, it's turned into a book, and who would have thought? All from a convicting moment that I said, I'm going to listen to the conviction rather than blow it off. Now, in this sermon series, we're going to look at the keys of this. We're going to look at how to get the strength to change, how to get the ability. What are the things you need to change? And it's not just a weight loss thing, okay? So don't go looking around and go like, they need the sermon. They need... Don't do that, all right? It's for all of us, okay? It's all of us. It's not that. It's what is God telling you to change? What is God telling you to change? It could be your weight, but it could be your marriage. It's a wreck. Matter of fact, you probably fought on the way to church. Matter of fact, you're wondering how you're going to make it. You're wondering what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? This is not what I signed up for. Could be your parenting. Could be that your kids are starting to say things like they hate you. Are you hearing the Holy Spirit saying right now, this series is for you. Change before you have to. Change before you lose it all. Could be your workplace. Something's going on corrupt and you know about it. You have to change before you have to. Could be that you're in the wrong job and God's been saying over and over again, I need you to move and you're not listening. It could be your finances. And the Holy Spirit's just saying over and over again, when are you going to be obedient? When are you going to be obedient? When are you going to listen? When are you going to change? And you're like, I don't like budgets. I'm not doing it. But the Holy Spirit is over and over again saying, change, change, change. Some of you could have been really easy. You knew the moment I said change before you have to, boom, it hit you. You knew that addiction. You knew that addiction, and it's there. And you're thinking, man, I'm so glad people can't see it. I'm so glad, but let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit right now is speaking to people and saying that addiction needs to go. That's why you're here. You're not here by accident. In the same way that Rob responded to that Holy Spirit moment, you need to respond to that Holy Spirit moment. It's real, and it's for you. Maybe your spiritual life, you know you're far away from God. You're far away, and right now, you can just hear the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for you to change. It's time for you to change. You need to make the choice now. Whatever it is, I want us to pause for just a moment. I want us to pause for just a moment and listen to the voice of the Spirit. 
because I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Some of us already have it, but some of us need to pause for just a moment, so listen. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to us. Pray you'd speak to us, and in this series, we'd feel the conviction, we'd feel the desire to change. So speak, speak as I speak, just speak and, and fall on people. Give them that conviction so they know that they know they need to change it. Now my prayer is that you'll make the change before you have to. It's way easier, way easier to make it before you have to. And when I went in to lose the weight and do that, and you know, people are like, I can't believe that. I can't believe how bad it is. The trainer that was there Steve Toms, he's still in our church, and he's part of the church. He said, hey, uh, he said, Pastor Rob, you are, you are vulnerable. You are what I would say living in a world of vulnerability. And he said, our goal is to get you from vulnerability to stability. And he goes, but then my challenge is to get you not to stay at stability, but I want to get you to vitality. And I was like, that's good. Vulnerability to stability to vitality. So I went and looked it up. Vulnerability means susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. And a lot of you, your marriage, your family, your finances, your weight, whatever the case may be, it is susceptible. You are susceptible to harm or damage and you're right there and you're in trouble. We don't want you to stay there. But then stability, I looked it up. It said the state of being stable, not likely to fail, firmly established. But I noticed this, failure was still in the definition, not likely to fail. So I was like, okay, that's good. We go from really vulnerable, like on the verge of failure to like not likely to fail, but still failure still in the picture to vitality. And vitality is the state of being strong and active to have energy. And when I saw that, I mean, just you can know where I'm going with this. I thought of John 10, 10. The Bible says this, that Jesus was speaking. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And I thought, when you're living in vulnerability, you are there, and the thief is getting ready to pick off your marriage. The thief is getting ready to pick off your family. The thief is getting ready to pick off your finances, or whatever the case may be. You're on the verge of that spiritual heart attack. And he's saying, I've come so you're not there. The thief wants to steal and kill and destroy, and, and I'm moving you to the right way, and, and God doesn't stop at stability. He goes right over to vitality. The word that's used here, more abundantly, uh, it's the word meaning superabundance. It means having more than you need, a quantity that is more than appropriate for what you need. And the best way to illustrate this would be, all of us have known like a four-year-old child that is out of control. How many know what I'm talking about? You got a picture of a four-year-old, you're like, that's my child, all right. So you got a four-year-old in your mind. And I've got a, a friend of mine, he pastors out in California. His son is in my mind. That little guy, he is amazing. But he's like, doo, doo, doo. I mean, he doesn't stop. I mean, he's just going, going. Super fun he runs by, grabs his food, ah, ah, and runs and goes and you know, does something else and ah, grabs his food and goes. And it's amazing how much this guy's back and forth and back and forth. That's the picture of superabundance. Superabundance, more energy than they need. And if you've ever thought this, like, how can I get that into me, you know? That just means you're old, okay? That's what it means. But, but you're thinking, how do I get that? Because they have more than they need, and I, I, have, I need some. I need Red Bull, and they need, like, the anti-Red Bull. I mean, that's what's going on here, you know? What's in that apple juice? But anyways, you know, that's, that's superabundance. That's superabundance. And here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to move from vulnerability 
to stability, to vitality. And he says, I want my spirit to be so at work in you and so strong in all these areas that you have more than you need so that when people look at you, they look at you like that four-year-old. And they go, wow, how do I get what's in them in me? Now, does that reflect the way that your marriage looks? Does that reflect the way your finances are? Does that reflect the way that your family is? Does that reflect your spiritual life? Or are you just vulnerable or just stability? You're holding on. You were meant to move past stability to vitality. You were meant for that so that the world just goes, I want what they have. What do you have? There's a lot of reasons that we stay in vulnerability. A lot of them. We're afraid. We're just afraid. We, we don't know the unknown. We're kind of like, oh, I don't know what's over there. I don't know. I won't do it. Or we're afraid we're going to fail. We're afraid we'll tell people like, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to change the marriage. I'm going to do this. And the people around us go, yeah, sure. And you're thinking, yeah, probably I won't. You know? And so you're afraid of failure, so you don't do it. Or it takes too long to change. It takes too long. That was one of the discouraging things. When I went to lose the weight, it was about 30 pounds. And when I was losing this weight, I was like, it was my first diet. And I was like, this is way harder than I thought. You know, I thought I would eat good a day and lose a couple pounds. And then, you know, eat good the next day, lose a couple more. And, you know, and then I hit like the two-week slump. And I was like all depressed, you know, because I'm working just as hard. Now I'm not losing anything. And it takes too long, so we don't want to change. So we stay in vulnerability. Some of us are just rebellious. That's just the way I am. Deal with it. Tough. Some of us are lazy. Some of us are professional procrastinators. Some of us are prideful. I had to kill my pride and say, yeah, that's right, 38% body fat. Yeah, that's right, terrible cholesterol. Yeah, that's right, my pantry is full of little Debbie snack cakes. Yeah, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So I had to go out and get educated. Now, here's the problem. We are such pros at staying vulnerable and being vulnerable that we say this, I want it even if it's wrong. I want it even if it hurts me. And then you say, but it's going to hurt your family. Well, I want it even if it hurts others. And then here's how good we are at staying vulnerable, spiritually, mentally, physically, all these areas, financially. We say, I'm proud of my sin and struggles, and I'm not even ashamed of it. Who cares? Pour me another one. It's wrong. We go from vulnerability, and we're, we're bold in our vulnerability, and it's wrong. And God's saying, you can't stay there anymore. You can't stay there. I did not create you for that. You need to move. And, and one, a great illustration of this, I was recently in Washington, D.C., and uh, I was at the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, monument and memorial area. It was just incredible. And I saw it's brand new since the time I was last there. And so I was walking around that, seeing it. And then I went over to the Lincoln Memorial. And I stood where Martin Luther King Jr. stood and did his, I have a dream, you know. And he did that. But can I tell you what? Before he ever did, I have a dream, he did a whole bunch of speeches and sermons to people saying, you were not created for that. You were not meant to be there. You were meant to be better than that. You cannot stay where you are. You got to leave where you are and go to what you were created for. And after a while, people started believing because they had been living in this vulnerability for so long. All of a sudden, they started believing, that's right. I was not created for this. I was created for more. And after you got people realizing you were not meant to stay there, then they realized this is what you're made for. And I believe God says the same thing to us today. He says, you know what? I've created you for more. You were not meant to be vulnerable. You were not meant to stay there. You were meant to move on and and just have super abundance of joy. Now, two examples for us today. Genesis chapter 12. First guy I want to look at is Abraham. And originally his name was Abram, but then God renamed him to Abraham, the father of many. All right? 
But this is what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I want to make this very clear. Abram had a great life. He was in a city called Ur. Now, you may not think Ur was really all that much going on, but Ur in his day was about 250,000 people. It was a giant city. He was in the center of all international commerce was going on in Ur. His family had a great business. Legend says, not the Bible, but legend says that his father was an idol maker which would make a lot of sense because most of the people worship the moon god there called Nana, all right? So he's there, he's comfortable, he's got a good job, he's there, he's happy, and we know that when he moves, he's got a lot of possessions. So this guy was wealthy, and God says, I'm calling you to leave Ur, I'm calling you to leave the comfort, I'm calling you to leave the metropolis. They had a great library, archaeologists have discovered they had a great library, a great university, it was an amazing place to be. He was stable, if you will, he was stable in so many areas, but he was vulnerable spiritually. He was not in right relationship with God. And God says, I've called you. I've chosen you. You'll be mine. I'll be your God. You will be my people. And through you, the nations will be blessed. But I'm asking you to change. I'm asking you to change your address. You can't stay here. If you want to go with what I've got you for you, it's got to be over here. You've got to move. You have to change your address. So Abraham Sight unseen goes and does this, and the scripture tells us there that there's blessings there. He says, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to be blessed. Your name will be great. But then this is interesting. He says, there's all these future promises for you, because if you do this, I will bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you, and all the earth will be blessed through you. Catch this. God's telling Abraham, I want you to change. I want you to leave Ur and all your comforts and you're gonna be my people and I'm gonna be your God. And you know what is gonna be part of the byproduct of this? Blessing for future generations. Blessing for others will come from your change. Now catch this. When I made my change with my weight, one of the prayers that I prayed was, God, give me more years as a pastor. Man, if I'm going to be in better shape, give me more years. Then the prayer I prayed was, God, give me more years with Connor and Logan. Let me take advantage of them and disciple them and raise them up. God, let me take advantage of them. Let them reap the rewards of my change. Now think about it. God's saying to Abraham, the blessings you're going to get are good, but there are so many more. The rest of them are going to be exponential. They're going to be blessed through you because of your change. What about the person that could be here that says, Alcohol ends in my family right now. The voice of God saying, done, over, change before you have to. Don't get the DWI. Don't have the intervention now. What if somebody's here and it's like, there's that addiction and you know it, it's, it's pulling you down. Like, change. What if somebody's here and they're abusing their family and they're going to say, it ends here. God, I'll kill my pride. I'll turn myself in. You've changed me. I can't let this happen anymore. Future generations will exponentially be blessed because you made the change. Man, it's incredible. And, and there's just so much more potential. Don't get caught up in the weight loss thing. There's so much more potential in the sins that we say no to. The sins that we say no to, we say, not in this house. That addiction to pornography, over, done, gone. I will change before I'm caught. It's over. 
Man, just think of all the changes where the next generation and the next generation live in the blessing exponentially because you change. And I love that Abraham did that. I love that. And I'm just saying to you, what is God telling you to change? What is he saying? Leave the comfort. Because I think some here gave away the excuse, well, I'm stable. I'm not, I'm not vulnerable. You know, I'm pretty good. Finances are pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. God did not call you to be pretty good. He called you to be super abundant. Okay? So don't excuse yourself. It'd be real easy for a bunch of people that are doing well in America to say, well, we're, we're stable, we're good, we're good. Don't, don't miss this. God does not want you to stay there. He wants you to go to super abundance and hear the call, move, make the change. We need to do more. God has more for us so that others can be blessed. Second example, Numbers chapter 13. I'll get there in just a second, but let me set up the case here. Uh, we have two guys, Joshua and Caleb. Uh, they are going to be the heroes in the story, but let me back up for a moment. After Abraham leaves his land and goes to the land, God says, this is the land I have for you. He defines, he says, this is the area where I want you to live. This is your land. Abraham's descendants go into Egypt because of a famine and eventually become slaves in Egypt. God's like, I did not create you to be slaves. I created you to be super abundant, you know, heirs to the promise. And so you've got to get out of slavery. So God sends a deliverer, Moses. Think Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. Not Charlton Heston, but Moses, all right? You got the point, all right? And he says, I'm sending a deliverer. They get set free from there. And as they get set free, Moses is leading them. They get to the edge of the land that God has promised Abraham 400 years earlier. God always keeps his promises. Realize that. So they're standing at the edge of the promised land, and Moses is like, okay, guys, I'm going to send 12 of you out, one from each of the tribes. Go spy out the land and see what it's like. So this is what it says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Moses sent them to explore Canaan. He said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they go out there and they look and they say, they go and look at the land and they see it's amazing. It's absolutely just everything that they had thought it would be. It looks so good. And then here's what it says in verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. He was a giant. They're like, we are small compared to them. I don't think we can do it. I don't think we can do it. Now, just stop for a moment. Moses was not hoping that they'd come back with a bad report. He was hoping they'd come back and say, it's exactly like God said it is. And if God can get us out of Egypt, he can bring us into this. It's all good. But they didn't do that. Now, just for a moment, just let me break from the story for just a moment. Every change you need to make in your life, somebody else has already made the change. And they're sending back a good report. Think about it. Weight loss, they're like, you can do it, Jared, Subway, come on, you got it, right? <laughs> Think about it. AA, they're like, we're here, celebrate recovery, you can make it. God sets you free. Think about it, marriage troubles, we, we're, we're mentoring marriages, you can make it. They're shouting from the promised land of vitality, you can make it. Now people around you would be negative voices, you can't make it, you can't get there, not you, you can't change it, you have to overcome that. But there's somebody that's gone before you that's shouting back to you, you can make the change, you can do it. 
You can do it. Verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it and all the people we saw there are of great size. Do you do the math on this? Two guys said yes, 10 said no. That means 17% said yes, we can do it. 83% said no. It's almost like the 80-20 rule. 20% are like, we can do it. We can change the world. And a bunch of people, no, we can't. We can do it. I want to be part of that group. I want to be part of the group that says, we can do it. We can change it. If God's for us, who can be against us? Let's go. And I'm going to tell you this. You have to battle your mind because your mind is like your own worst enemy. You can't do it. You can't lose the weight. You can't do it. You tried before. You can't do it. You can't give up drugs. You can't give it up. You can't stop that. You can't do it. You can't stop looking at porn. You can't stop it. It won't happen. Not you. And you've got to learn to overcome that and say, I was created for more. I can't stay here. I'm vulnerable. I don't want to just get the stability. I want to get the super abundance. I am going for it. I will live in the good report. That's the way we've got to live. I will live in the good report. And ultimately, those 10 did not make it in. The two made it in because they lived in the good report, believing that they served a God of superabundance. So let me ask you this. What land of opportunity is God asking you to step into? What is he asking you to step into? You need to do it. You need to do it. You need to say, God, I will find the strength. I will listen to you. I will ask for the strength. I will uh, apply this. I will do what I need to do to make this happen. Lord, I am going to do this. I know that land may be filled with all sorts of obstacles. And I know that I have a smartphone and a laptop and all these things. And there's obstacles to this victory, but I'm going to win it. Lord, I know that land might be filled with all sorts of lust and poor and all these other things. I'm going to win it. Lord, I know that that land may be filled with little Debbie snack cake, but I'm going to win that battle. I'm going to go for it. He's calling you to live and win the battle. Every change he calls us to make is worth the challenge. I am going to live in superabundance. I'm going to do that. That's how I'm going to live. And I want to say, Lord, what area is next? I want to live in super abundance. I want to go to the next level and have that vitality. So the rest of the world looks at it and says, you know what? I want what they have. I want what they have. Don't be comfortable in your known bondage in this vulnerability and say, well, but at least I'm getting through life. You were not made to just get through life. You were made to be more than a conqueror. You were made to be in super abundance. And don't let that known bondage hold you hostage to an unknown freedom. Go for the unknown freedom. Listen to the voice of people saying, you can make it. You can do it. You are not created for vulnerability. Do not settle for stability, but go on to vitality. Change before you have to. Now, one of the things we're going to do in this series is pray a prayer um, that I absolutely love. It's the serenity prayer. And um, in my own life, where it says, accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can. For me, that was like, you know, my cholesterol. It's like, I, I changed everything. I lost the weight, but I couldn't change that one thing. So I needed to take a low-dose pill. And I thought, okay, there are things in my life that I just, I've tried and I can't. God, give me something to help me through that part. But the things I can change, Lord, you help me to have that strength. But I love this. There's way more to the serenity prayer than what we commonly know. 
And so here and at all of our campuses, I want us to stand right now as they put it on the screen. And I want you to take a look at this. You'll see the full serenity prayer. And I want us to close with this prayer together as we speak it out loud and proclaim it as a prayer by faith over your life. And I believe the full serenity prayer is going to minister to you as we pray this together throughout the weeks. And then I'll close this in prayer. Let's pray this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that we'd grab hold of that, that there's more here. We need to have the peace to make the changes that we can, the wisdom to know the difference for the things that are out of our control, but so much is within our control because you give us super abundant power to make it happen. And I pray that we would take this world as it is and we would just realize, God, you will make us happy that some of the blessings we're gonna have are for others. Some of the blessings are for future uh, reaping of those blessings. And so God, I pray that we'd make the change. And Holy Spirit, please throughout this series, convict us deeply, deeply, deeply of the things that we need to change, not just surface issues, but major changes that we could say, God, we will change before we have to before we have to. And God, I pray every time people see the cover of that book and they hear that statement, change before you have to, that there'd be a Holy Spirit conviction moment and that we would follow that and be obedient because we were made to live a life of superabundance so that people would be drawn to you. Help us to live that way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.